We took a, some engagement photos the other day, but of course it was in the middle of a heat advisory. I already have accepted that I will not get a single good shot out of them. Like, oh, there's just really? no way. Listen, we were in a heat advisory, and she was like, put your heads together. And we go to put our heads together, and Russell and I's heads touch, and there was literal a splatter sound, sweat, and then our heads, like, slid. I mean, it was so <laughs> hot. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real-life creeps, from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm Mo Gap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. I don't know. I have seen photographers on TikTok that just take off that sweat. You know, they yeah, edit it out. Hope they edit out my gray hairs first. <laughs> Your gray hairs are beautiful. I have three of them. A whole three? Yeah. And I think when they start coming in, I'm just I'm just going to go with it. Hey, that's my I said after I wedding. Uh-huh. Because weren't we talking about the girl? What's her name from One Tree Hill? She's all gray now, Peyton. Oh, really? The blonde? She's. Yes, she's all gray now. And she's a fox. And I'm oh. like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to let it grow out. There's. There was a whole uh, natural gray movement that was happening mm-hmm. on social media of like people like growing it out. And I was like, that's going to be me. I just got to get through. Get through the wedding. Some, uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> you can't be elderly in your wedding photos. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will be, but you won't be able to tell. Mm-hmm. I already am like, oh, I'm going to have to get some low heels. We got this. Jer- <laughs> yeah. This low, I had go. low heels. Wedges are preferable for the <laughs> bridesmaids. Thank you. <laughs> okay. What if I told you you had to wear pants? Every, all my bridesmaids are wearing a jumpsuit. Pants. I know how much you love pants. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, are they flowy pants or are they jeans? I don't want to wear jeans. <laughs> no. Sure not. Russell, <laughs> Russell has a strict no denim rule at our wedding. But He's I can concerned. already tell you what's underneath the dress is going to be much more restrictive than my pair of jeans. So <laughs> I, I don't think pants are Girl. my worst enemy here. Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Now that we talked about what's going to be on the outside of our bodies that'll make us feel fabulous, can we talk about what's going to be on the inside of our bodies to make us feel even more fabulous, please? Oh, are you talking about athletic greens? Who? Me? Can't be. <laughs> Hang on. I got to pull it up. All right. Oh, God. Amateur Ath- hour. <laughs> athletic greens is a supplement you can add to your water and with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of the things. I have been looking for some small healthy changes, as you know, wedding season, trying to get fit, trying to get tight, and this is really the best way to start your day off right, feel better. You pour it in your cup, they give you a cool little clear water bottle, you screw the lid on, you shake it up, you down that thing, and you already feel so much better. Hydrated, full of vitamins, ready to start your day. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and he ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him $100 per day. Whoa. And, and with Athletic Greens, this just costs you $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. 
Oh, and it has over 7,000 five-star reviews also. Yes. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And they're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. That's athleticgreens.com slash emerging so that you can get started on your health journey today. That's athleticgreens.com slash E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G. Talk about the Patreon. Yeah, we did not talk about the Patreon last week or the week before that or the week before that. We keep forgetting. Yes, we did. We always talk about the Patreon. We, at the very end, after the shout outs. <laughs> Please come join everyone. One and all. All is welcome. So we have a Patreon and uh, we would love it if you would go over there, check it out. Right now we've got like, I think about 10 bonus episodes. We've got like almost 30 mini creeps. We just dropped our Alpha 214 mini creep about one of the craziest cons I've ever heard of. The minis are just shorter episodes. They're sometimes on true crime. They're sometimes like, am I the asshole stuff? Sometimes it's Mugab talking about her mom for 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That one's coming up, you guys. (laughs) Uh, So head on over to patreon.com slash truecrimecreepers. For $5, you get a bonus episode every month, a shout out on the podcast, You'll Be Famous Adjacent, adjacent we haven't said that in a while oh famous adjacent and jason famous adjacent and jason and then at the seven dollar level you get all of that plus you get the mini creeps you get access to the mini creeps you get a card with our autographs and a sticker in the mail wax sealed by mogab somebody said that they were hesitant to join the patreon because they weren't sure if you were still doing wax seals i ladies and gentlemen The wax seals are alive and well. She's still <laughs> wax sealing it up over here. Yeah, I mean, burning wh- my little fingertips over here for you people. Whether or not they get to you intact, that's that's on the post office. That is on USPS, but she's still mm-hmm. doing them. Then we got our $10 level where you can get 20% off of merch. And at the $1 level, there's no $1 think level. About the, yeah, but no, there could be. The, listen, hear me out. Mm-hmm. If 4,500 people... Mm-hmm. Paid one dollar. Mm-hmm. That would secure me like one dollar. Can we have a one dollar level for a year? If everybody signed up for a one dollar level and I got that one dollar, I would be able to have flowers or a cake <laughs> or I don't know, maybe an officiant to actually marry us. You have to How do I set up that? a one dollar level? My dad well, can marry you. No, I already got an officiant, but okay. you know, I'd like to like throw him like a hot meal or something. <laughs> One do- the $1 level for one year. All I think right, people would right. sign up. That Let me right. have it. Yeah, no, then, I'm deleting all Then it that. can be your turn. What? <laughs> I'll give you a $1 level so you can like get new roof shingles or something that homeowners need. I'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. What, what would be your like most, if you could have a home improvement project right now? Uh, like build a patio on my backyard. Oh, yeah, I support that. Screw my wedding. Let's hit you up for the one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That sounds amazing. Thank you. I know. Yeah, I I have no patio, really. I just have rocks. All right. Are you ready for this episode? I don't know. What are you telling me about? Look, huge thanks to Michael Mikrovich. 
I Googled how to say that, and I still probably messed it up. It's Polish. I apologize. Anyways, huge thanks to Michael Mikrovich for his incredibly thorough article in the Miami New Times. Like, this was a long-form article. His hard work made my life so much easier. So thank you for that. I'm going to be sitting here for a while, aren't I? (laughs) As well as an episode of 48 Hours. Those were really my main sources this week. That's how I heard about this crime was on this episode of 48 Hours. And it's a doozy, man. It's probably going to make you mad, too. You ready? Yes. This case begins in March of 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. How was your March of 2020? You know, mine was great. Is this the true crime of (laughs) COVID-19? I was moving into my new house, out of my apartment. My little dog would finally Mm. have a yard of her own. It was so great. And then, oh, yeah, worldwide pandemic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We all know it. (laughs) Yes, we all recall. We all know it. We all lived it. We don't need to rehash it. But for a time, the entire world shut down. Mm -hmm. Schools, businesses, basically everything except grocery stores and hospitals. People were staying home. Being around any other person became an actual threat to your life. So you had wine nights over Zoom with your friends and you learned TikTok dances and you watched the Tiger King. You did your part to help the pandemic, right? I didn't see my mom for over a month. And when I did finally see her, we were scared to hug. Like it was such a weird time. Yeah. Yeah. No one knew what was going on. This was totally unprecedented in our lives, at least at least in our lifetimes. And it was all anyone was focused on, you know? Of course, like, crime would stop, right? It's a pandemic. Oh, Everybody's I staying home. That. I remember having these thoughts of, like, I'm sitting home and I'm like, I'll bet there's no murders happening because everybody's too focused on this pandemic. And that's one good thing about it is people aren't murdering. And that's you. Imagine what I thought. (laughs) Gretchen Anthony was one of those people that was was just trying to do her part to help. She was living in Jupiter, Florida in Palm Beach County. And she looked exactly like you would expect a Florida gal to look. You know, she's got the long blonde hair, the big blue eyes, Mm. the giant smile. She was tan and athletic. At 51 years old, she was in spectacular shape. She worked out really hard. She took her health really seriously. And apart from the pandemic disrupting her life in March of 2020, she seemed to be doing great. Yeah. She'd been separated from her husband of five years, David Anthony, for several months. And finally, in February of 2020, she'd filed for divorce. He'd been out of her house since late 2019, like December And it seemed like the separation was really doing her good and that she was moving on really well. She was dating again. She had a great job that she loved. She also had a 12-year-old daughter who I'm pretty sure is named Ava. That's kind of how she was referenced in the article. So we're going to call her Ava. She had a great relationship with her. They just adored each other. And she seemed to really get on well with her first husband, Jeff, that she co-parented Ava with. Wait, Jeff, not David. No, her first husband, Jeff. Uh, David is is her second husband. Jeff is Ava's dad, though? Jeff is Ava's dad, yes. Okay. As the emergency lockdown started, Gretchen would post things on Facebook about how to stay safe from the virus. She was binging TV shows like Schitt's Creek and Game of Thrones. She shared memes about our new normal. She wrote her own musings Mm -hmm. about it, like when she wrote, quote, does anyone else feel like life is being written by a fourth grader right now? 
there was this virus and everyone was scared and the world ran out of toilet paper and then there was no school. <laughs> it's like when, yeah, those like writing assignments where mm-hmm. you're like, write about and they, it's like totally doesn't make sense. Like, exactly. The world was taken over by squirrels, <laughs> right. you know? Right. There Raccoons, were killer bees honestly. and no toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> I do just like when you, I got real nostalgic when you talked about COVID and Shit's Creek, like. How lucky were we that in the time that we couldn't do anything, uh-huh. that we had things like Schitt's Creek and Tiger King. And like that was <laughs> the know. stuff that was on TV. I know. And we could just stream it. So yeah, like that was available. At least this wasn't happening in, you know, 1990. Yeah, I actually, would have <laughs> I actually was having uh, like Schitt's Creek nights with my friend Natalie. We would get mm-hmm. together and we obviously couldn't during covid so we started having them over zoom and we'd like press play at the exact same time and like (laughs) watch the episode together and Mm -hmm. you know made it work somehow but man i missed live sports too the sports world that was such a weird thing like (sighs) no for the longest time there was like nothing i felt about that it was so i know but i mean if you think about like how different that is like there's constantly a sport happening all of the time right right i i mean i like the olympics like the 2020 Olympics didn't we happen. Were, I know we were doing them in 2021. I'm like, why didn't we just update it? Everything still says 20. I mean, it's so weird. It was so weird. Yep. Yeah, it was a weird time. But after Thursday, March 19th, there were no more posts from Gretchen Anthony on Facebook. Her profile <gasps> oh, no. went dark. She stopped communicating with loved ones. She even stopped sharing her location on her phone with her daughter, something she took very seriously. But then a few days later, on Monday, March 23rd, 2020, Gretchen's friends, her sister, her mother, her daughter, her ex husband, Jeff, and her boss started getting some really bizarre text messages from her. The first one was to her daughter, who was staying with her dad at the time. And it said, quote, Good morning. Tested positive for coronavirus early this morning. That means I have to stay here for at least two weeks. It also means our house is quarantined for two weeks. Don't worry. A medical facility is the best place I can be right now. Her daughter replied, okay, I really hope you get better with like a sad face emoji and a red heart. Her daughter's like 12, 13, 12, Uh 12. She sent a similar text to other friends and family members and over the next three days would continue sending multiple texts, updating everyone on how she was doing. This is, again, March of 2020, when everyone is literally tracking COVID deaths on their phone, and doctors still didn't really know how to treat it. It was really scary. Yeah, this was, like, before you knew that people could kind of, like, really recover Yeah, from it. Yeah. Like, I remember that. It was when it, it almost seemed like a death sentence. Like, it was really scary. Naturally, her loved ones were very concerned about her, especially since they'd only been able to talk to her via text. No one ever spoke with her on the phone and not for lack of trying. But whenever they'd try called. Yeah. Whenever they tried calling her, she wouldn't pick up the phone. Her boss was really worried when Gretchen didn't check into work on Monday and she texted her a few times to see if she was okay or if she needed anything. But it wasn't until Tuesday that she got a response. Gretchen messaged her to say that she'd admitted herself into Juniper Medical Center's emergency room. She said that she'd passed out in the hospital with a fever of 102 and low oxygen and that her lungs were beginning to fail, so she'd been placed on a ventilator. 
So they were transferring her to an off-site medical facility being run directly for the CDC in Belle Glade, which was over an hour away from Jupiter. I think I said Juniper Medical Center. It's Jupiter. Jupiter. Yeah. Then other friends and family members received the following text. Quote, tested positive for coronavirus early this morning. That's the bad news. But I'm at a CDC slash coronavirus treatment facility that only handles COVID cases. The good news is that my blood type has potential to be used in a cure. Not sure if you remember me saying that I have a strain of mad cow disease in my blood. Well, that strain is significant in gathering more answers to find a cure. For safety purposes, Dr. Sinclair and her team are strongly recommending that we maintain contact with immediate family members only. I'm using my mom. So for whatever reason, for her safety, she can only communicate with her mom. Okay, but like, I feel like we really jumped. I mean, it was already kind of bizarre, but then we jumped to all of a sudden the CDC has a center just for COVID when this is like literally breaking right now. It's like March of 2020. This isn't like... A year later, which even then I don't think there was like dedicated COVID-19 like facilities. And then Mad Cow? (laughs) Yeah, I seem to remember Mad Cow disease getting talked about at the beginning of COVID. I can't really remember what all was being said about it. And I don't remember if there were like dedicated COVID. I'm like... They were definitely isolating people. And they like the CDC was trying... But I don't think they had them like sporadically... Around the country. Like centers, in, especially in March. And there was no, even if they did have these CDC centers, there was not one in Belle Glade. Right. There was no CDC facility there. Gretchen's first husband, Jeff Dreyer, he's the father of her daughter. He's also getting these weird texts about being quarantined by the CDC. To him, she wrote that she might be placed in a medically induced coma. And so she'd be out of touch for a while. He was really worried at first. He even showed up at the hospital on March 24th, the day he got that text. He saw her blue Mini Cooper in the parking lot, but when he called the hospital to ask about her status, an ER physician told him that she hadn't been a patient there in over a decade. She's smart to park her car there, though, or whoever. Oh, no. <laughs> Dang it. We've, d- b- we've been doing so many of the, like, cons and heists that I kind of mm. forgot this is, like, a murder podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. So Jeff went back to those texts from Gretchen, and the more he read them, the more he was not buying any of it. These texts were full of bad grammar and punctuation and used a lot of abbreviations. Gretchen preferred full sentences in her texts. She was a former English teacher. She was a reading specialist. She'd been the spelling bee sponsor at the school that she'd worked at. She knew grammar and punctuation, and this was not her texting. It's funny how long it takes him to realize that. Remember that time that I texted you and didn't use an emoji or whatever, and you were like, I should have known something was up because the Britney Spears thing it's like you almost think like oh maybe they're sick and so they're not like really you know sounding like themselves you kind of write it off Jeff knew it wasn't Gretchen behind the text and he was pretty certain that he knew who it actually was he recognized the speech pattern of the text being very similar to the way that David Anthony spoke Gretchen's (gasps) estranged husband like the most recent one Yes, the most recent one. They were still technically married. She'd filed for divorce the month before, but it hadn't been finalized yet. 
I have a lot of respect for people. Like, he noticed that her text didn't sound like her because she texts in full sentences. I've now made the mistake of emailing the way I text. I sent it work email the other day that said IDK, and then I said cuz, like C-U-Z. <laughs> and I was like, and I like hit send, and I was like, oh my goodness. People are going to think I you being kidnapped. I got to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope so. I hope they think it wasn't me that sent that. I was like, oh, what am I doing? Uh, This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around stressors, big and small. For me, this comes in the form of work, too many deadlines, relationships with people, irrational fears of the future. When we keep them bottled up, it can really start to affect us negatively, mentally and physically. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. My therapist has really been helping me work on coping skills for how to handle my stress, how to handle day-to-day tasks that I struggle with, as well as working on communicating and improving personal relationships and just talking through problems with somebody who understands. It's something I wish I'd started ages ago. But finding a therapist is so overwhelming. Are they taking new patients? Are they taking insurance? And once you find one that says yes to both of those, are they a good fit? If not, you have to start the process all over again. If they are a good fit, you've got to figure out some way to fit appointments into your busy schedule. But BetterHelp takes away all of those barriers, and I'm so thankful. I love my therapist. I really feel like they took my questionnaire that I filled out when I signed up and really used it to match me to the perfect person. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Creepers today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Creepers. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine, but the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pro's proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. All of Gretchen's family and friends were coming to the same conclusion, and so after three days of these weird messages, they decided to call the police and ask them to do a welfare check on Gretchen. I'm not sure who actually placed the call. Every source just says members of her family or loved ones. But whoever it was told police that they needed help for a friend that was missing. The caller told police that she didn't know how to explain it, but that she knew Gretchen was in grave danger. (sighs) 
Jupiter police detective Jared Kennerson was on the night shift, and so he caught this case. He put a call into the Jupiter Medical Center, who told them that they had no record of a Gretchen Anthony being a patient there during that time period. And so Detective Kennerson was very concerned. He went to the medical center because that's where her Mini Cooper was. And he said that when he looked in the window of the Mini Cooper, he just knew something was wrong because he could see Gretchen's purse sitting right there in plain sight. And he knew enough about women to know that we generally tend to take our purses everywhere with us. That is until I got all these dresses with massive pockets. Yeah, I'm trying to never there. carry a purse. <laughs> Cowboy boots for a life. Right, exactly. So she's not in this medical facility. She probably doesn't have COVID. Her car is here at the hospital. But where is Gretchen? On Thursday, March 26th, five days had passed since Gretchen had been seen or reliably heard from. Police investigators started canvassing the neighborhood, talking to neighbors, and looking for clues to try and find her. A neighbor saw them going around knocking on doors and walked up to them because she had information she thought the police might need. She told them that on Saturday, March 21st, she heard what she described as a really serious woman scream, a blood-curdling scream. She'd also heard the woman scream, no, and then something about, it hurts, stop it. The woman had chosen, the neighbor had chosen not to call the police at the time, but detectives now knew that someone else was definitely in the house with Gretchen on Saturday. Why would you choose not to call the police? I think there are several reasons. I think when you hear stuff like this, you can explain it away. I also love how I asked that real judgy, and then I immediately started thinking of every time I hear kids screaming, Uh because there's like a playground and like a school over here, and I just assume they're playing. You know? Yeah, every time I hear a loud bang, I assume it's uh, an idiot with fireworks or a car backfiring, you know? Right. I'm not going to, like, assume a gunshot, but people love to talk about it in my neighborhood Facebook group. In, Was that next gunshots? <laughs> in the neighborhood. Yeah. What a time. Uh, another neighbor told police that he'd noticed a soapy substance flowing from underneath the garage door. The entrance from her lanai into the garage was locked with the key broken off in the deadbolt. (gasps) Someone was definitely cleaning something out in that garage and investigators wanted to get in there. So they forced their way inside and they didn't find Gretchen, but it was very clear from the smell that a cleaning agent had been used in the garage. It was an overwhelming odor of bleach. I love men just pouring a whole two gallons of bleach on everything. Just, like, just, I'm just going to bleach everything. I don't know what to do, but I'm bleaching I'm just it. just pouring it, yeah. pouring it. They searched the home several times, and they found evidence of a violent struggle. There was a broken picture frame, broken glass, and a towel with what looked like a blood stain on it in the washing machine. They brought in a cadaver dog who detected the smell Ugh. of a dead body inside the home. Love this. Add all that to the scream the neighbor heard, and it all tells a pretty terrible story. Neighbors had taken photos of a black Nissan Frontier pickup truck that was parked outside the home when the screaming had gone on. So they didn't call the police, but they at least like walked outside and took a picture. David Anthony owned a Nissan Frontier pickup truck. He had been there that morning. Detectives also quickly learned that Gretchen had recently filed for divorce and that David had moved out of their townhome. and. In with his mom just a few months earlier. So investigators start digging into the background of what they're certain is a murder victim and their suspected murderer. Before David, Gretchen Anthony had been Gretchen Crane. 
She'd grown up mostly in New Jersey. She'd attended fashion school in New York, but she'd finished her bachelor's degree back in New Jersey at Monmouth University. Is that how you say that? Monmouth University? Mm -hmm. In Oceanport. She taught English for several years in New Jersey before she moved to Florida in 2006. And there she taught at a few private schools, first at the Weiss School and then Wellington Prep, before she decided to leave teaching behind and she accepted a job in the HR department with Viking Utility. And she was really happy with this career change. And I don't blame her. I was just about to say, (laughs) said teachers everywhere. Said teachers everywhere. She really loved leading an active lifestyle. She spent her free time at the beach, paddleboarding and doing yoga. David Anthony's life, on the other hand, had just been a series of ups and downs. He was bullied as a child for being overweight, which gave him low self-esteem. And because he was bigger than the other kids his age, he wasn't even allowed to join recreational sports leagues which I would really like more information about because that cannot be true. (laughs) What? Is that what he's telling people? That's what the article said. And it was just kind of a throwaway line in the article with no other information. It just said, like, because he was bigger, he wasn't allowed to join the leagues. And I'm like, we can't be body shaming children, right? (laughs) Like, it's about age. I mean, it's It's all based on age. But is it like height and stuff? Like actual, like, not just. Well, he was also incredibly tall. I don't know when he got his growth spurt. I mean, you can't just have a 6'4", like, kid just mowing people over on a Little League football field, you know? So you can tell the 6'4", little kid that he can't play football because all the other kids are too short? I mean, I want to say no, but I don't know. You know, I mean, it's all based on age. You're not going to have a 6'4", kid, but you might have a kid that's, like, bigger. I don't know. That just seems crazy to me. Poor, like, the poor kid. It's not his fault. Later things would be his fault, and I'll feel much less sorry for him. Sympathy's not there yet because he sounds like a murderer. As he grew into his teens and early adult years, his mental health went really on the decline and his family started to think he might be bipolar or might have he might have bipolar disorder. He didn't want to take any medication, so he really threw himself into health and wellness, which is not an alternative to medication. But this is the route he went. He idolized big, strong superheroes like Thor and athletes like Kobe Bryant. And he was so tall. He was like 6'7 or 6'8. Some places reported different heights. Okay, so maybe he was a 6'4 kid. (laughs) Maybe. He still should have been allowed to play. And later he did really get into basketball. Obviously, he's 6'7. And so he ended up getting a scholarship to play for Eckerd College in St. Petersburg. And he transformed from the overweight, bullied kid into this, like, tall, broad-shouldered, muscular guy. But his mental health had not done much transforming. While he was in college, he used a squirt gun to hold up a blockbuster video. What? Yeah. And then he assaulted a police officer. He took a plea deal for both charges, and he spent a very small amount of time in jail. Wait, do you think he was holding up the blockbuster to steal cash or or do you think it was DVDs? like all of the VHS? No, VHS, not even DVDs. <laughs> all the VHSs and candy. Remember like the candy popcorn aisle? I mean, you weren't getting out of there without like some junior men. Oh, yeah. I hope he just like took a handful of VHSs and and just the covers cuz he didn't have time. You know when you would like you thought the movie was behind there? <laughs> It was just the cover. That was always the most disappointing thing in the world when you go to pick up that cover and you lift it up and there's no movie behind it. 
And it's like a new release, so there's like 20, and you're like, boom, 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 yeah, boom. They're boom. All like, the it's the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? And sometimes you couldn't reach. They're too tall, and you're a kid, and you're like, maybe there's one behind there. All right. After college, he became a trainer at gyms like Orange Theory and really excelled there. Have you ever partaken in an Orange Theory fitness class? No, okay. so many people have tried to get me, but I'm like, I, I cannot get on the treadmill like around other people. I'll die. Yeah, I joined Orange Theory for like a year because they so said, MoGab, they said that it's for all levels. Guess what? It's definitely not. <laughs> I can tell it's not. It is not for all levels. Oh, I know. It's <laughs> Russell's sister just hit her 100th class. She looks great. Wow. But I'm like, yeah, girl, there's no way I could like compete with you on that. Like, no. it's just not happening. Mm-mm. David was the hot young trainer at this Orange Theory. He was treated like a rock star there. People loved taking his classes because his energy was amazing. When it was high, everyone around him felt it and it just rubbed off on them. His clients raved about him, and he was able to draw new clients into the gym. But exercise cannot be a replacement for therapy or medication for mental disorders, and his began to affect him. His moods were so up and down that his boss at Orange Theory, Tabitha Hopkins, she had to fire him. Twice. Oh my gosh. Twice she fired him after he'd shown what they only called aggressive behavior, particularly towards women at the gym. Oh, I wish I had more information about that because I have no idea what he means by aggressive behavior, but I could only find like yelling at them. Yeah, I could only find that he'd had a series of disturbing outbursts towards women, probably like, yeah, like screaming at them. That's why I don't want to go to the gym. (laughs) Yeah, for real. He was unstable and Tabitha never knew if she was going to get amazing high energy. Everyone wants to be around him, David or angry, aggressive, bad vibes, David. But he somehow managed to talk his way back into a job with her by telling her that he was attending self-improvement workshops. In 2010, he started dating a woman named Heidi Yeagers. It's with a J, but I think it's Yeagers. She was 22. He was in his early 30s, but he seemed like exactly what she was looking for in a partner. He was attractive, charming, and most importantly, he was very interested in her he offered her a free personal training session and then asked her out nice david and heidi went out for a year and it started with a huge dose of love bombing that made heidi ignore every red flag that started popping up by telling herself that it was just how he showed her he loved her these are these same red flags we've seen over and over and over again in relationships involving coercive control and intimate partner violence Things like timing her when she ran errands so he would know exactly how long she'd been gone for. Ew. Yeah. How is that love bombing? That's annoying. No, that's the red flag. That's not the love bombing. You love bomb first, then you move into the control. You know? Love bombing is a red flag for me. I'm like, why are you so nice? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it kind of should be something you're a little wary of because if somebody's telling you they love you on the second date, They don't love you. They want to control you eventually, probably. It's not love. Yeah. He'd monitor what she ate and how often she worked out. He'd make her feel bad for seeing her friends regularly. In November of 2010, he'd been acting really strange, and soon Heidi would know exactly why. She walked into the door of her apartment one day to see David there waiting for her. He took her hand in his, and then he got down on one knee, and Heidi couldn't believe it. He was about to propose. 
How long have they been together? A year. Only he didn't propose. He's down on one knee, her hand in his hand, and he told her that he needed to surround himself with people that were successful and took their health and fitness more seriously, and that Heidi was not that person. And so he told her, down on one knee with her hand in his, (gasps) I'd like to break up with you in order for you to have time to become the person I want you to be. Whoa, I have so much to say. Does it even need to be said? Do I even need to? Yes. You have the audacity to get down on one knee to break up? Break up with me? I know. You better GTFO right now. Heidi. I, to be the person that you, no, no, I'm done with this episode. I hate this man. Heidi couldn't believe he was breaking up with her in the most messed up way. Like, who gets down on one knee to break up with someone? And then tell if this man is in prison, I am going to visit him. I have follow-up <laughs> questions. And then he Start tells her, me. I want to give I'm you going. time to become the person I want you to be. You are a scrub, sir. <laughs> you are an absolute yeah. piece of dude. Well, and she, I hate you. She, she got I, her it, stuff it, from his place and she left. And it would turn out that he'd just done her a massive favor, obviously. <laughs> oh, my God. She is my peep of <laughs> He tried several times over the following weeks and months to get back together with her. But yeah, but that messed up (laughs) breakup plus the time apart had really allowed her to see all of the problems in their relationship. So she now calls him a master manipulator and she moved on quickly. Here's the thing. If you told me that she murdered him right there and that was the story, (laughs) I would believe you that somehow this ends in... Her murdering him. Oh, yeah. I would have been like, yeah, that's the story that we we're understand. telling here. <laughs> what? One time when he messaged her, like, trying to get back together, he's, like, asking her, are you still single? Blah, blah, blah. Well, she has a boyfriend and she tells him that. And so then he, like, totally changes gears and just asks how much she'd charge for dog sitting. Ew, okay. <laughs> I don't know how you expect me to move on from this point in the story. <laughs> Like, you want to bring up dog sitting? I'm not even past the breakup. I know. I can't keep going. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I know. Who who makes these people? Where do these people come from? I know. Yeah. In 2014, he and Gretchen met when she signed up for a personal training lesson with him. She was like seven years older than him. I think she was in her mid-40s. He's in his late 30s. But despite the age difference, they realized they had so much in common. They led similar active lifestyles. They both loved spending time outdoors. He was big into cycling, deep sea fishing, and kayaking. They hit it off really quickly. And equally important, he really hit it off with Ava, Gretchen's daughter. No. We are not that many years ago. Like, this is while the internet is still around. Like, how is it not viral that this man broke up with another woman on one knee? Like, how is he still getting dates? (laughs) How is there a second TikTok hasn't started yet? <laughs> he would be he would be absolutely flamed yeah. on there right now. Mm-hmm. By December of 2014, he and Gretchen were engaged. They had a very short engagement and they got married in early 2015 at an Elvis chapel in Las Vegas. I'm about to do that too. I heard that they're getting rid of all the Elvis chapels because like Elvis's estate like the people that run his estate aren't giving them the license for it anymore, hmm. is what I heard. 
Friends of Gretchen's felt like she'd met the man of her dreams. In a photo from their wedding posted on Facebook, someone commented that she loved the look on Gretchen's face in the photo and said that it looked like that was where she was meant to be in that moment. Mm -mm, I need to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I kind of think she looks like a hostage in that in that photo. Here, I'll, I'll find it. I'll send it to you. They love this look? Yeah, that's the look that said that it was where she was meant to be in that moment. Even her eyebrow, like her, like her, everything on her face is shifted down. Uh, yeah. Like even her cheeks and her eyebrows are frowning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's beautiful, but it's not her thing. I just like nothing about this says happy. I agree. Also, why is his shirt so unbuttoned? <laughs> <laughs> this is your wedding, sir. <laughs> In another photo posted of them, they were like snuggled up on a couch with Ava. A friend commented that they just fit so perfectly together. And at first, it did seem like they fit perfectly together. David was an amazing stepdad, and they seemed really happy together. For the first two years, at least. But then (laughs) David's other side started coming out more and more. He would be verbally abusive at times. He was becoming increasingly manic. One day in 2018, he started talking about how the world was ending. He was freaking out about it. He loaded up his truck with three big bags of rice, some pots and pans, and like 10 pairs of shoes and took off. Gretchen knew that David was struggling with his mental health, but she didn't know how to help him. He refused to see doctors, refused medication, refused therapy. And Gretchen started to lose her patience with him. She started locking herself in her bedroom just to get away from him for a while when she'd see a certain look in his eyes that told her things were about to get bad. She'd watch him on the cameras at her house and wait for him to go to bed, and then she'd go downstairs to grab a knife to put under her pillow so she could feel safe enough to sleep. And she has a daughter. I mean, like... Yeah. In December of 2019, she texted a friend, I wish him well and hope he learns how to deal with his mental issues. I feel bad that I couldn't help him, but I think he needs to learn how to love himself before he can love anyone else. Something he might not experience in his lifetime. On Christmas Eve, she went looking through his backpack and found her wedding ring, her passport, her driver's license, her credit cards, and some cash, which freaked her out. So she texted her boss, who was also her a good friend of hers, and told her that she was afraid of him. A few days after. Wait, why did she like he took all that stuff from her or had it been missing? And then like, like, like he must have taken it that day or something. I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of information about this, but it it seems like he was planning something. If he's got all of her information in there, her passport, her driver's license, that's what really freaks me out. Like, I think it was like crappy that you stole my credit cards and cash and my wedding ring. But you have my passport there. Like, why do you have that? Why do you have my driver's license? Yeah. A few days after that, she decided the relationship had to end. She had David move out. She had the locks changed. He moved in with his mom, who lived nearby, and he kept working at Orange Theory, where his coworkers noticed him starting to withdraw and arrive later and later to work. And then, on January 26th, 2020, Kobe Bryant died. In that helicopter crash. Oh, I remember that. David did not admire anyone in this world more than Kobe Bryant. Really? He idolized him. I think it would be fair to say he was obsessed. He even named his husky Kobe. When Kobe Bryant died, David was beyond devastated. 
I know what it's like to have some boundary issues with celebrities. There have definitely been a few that I've cried over <laughs> when I learned they died. You know, Marlon Brando was hard for me. Paul Walker was hard for me. Alan Rickman. Oh. Still hard for me. It still makes me sad when I think about Robin Williams and Anthony Bourdain uh, and Selena. Oh, duh. <laughs> but this, Lorena. this went so far beyond that. It was an actual trauma to him. It affected his day-to-day life, his relationships, his job. David would be teaching a class at Orange Theory and just start sobbing and wailing in the middle of class. Over Kobe? Yes. I mean, it's very sad. They just didn't have a personal relationship. You would think they were best friends since childhood. And he wouldn't let the gym send him home and get him a replacement. On February 24th, he just didn't show up to work, leaving all the gym's clients locked outside. Oh, no. He then signed up for this self-improvement program that many people have called a cult called gratitude training. But he refused to tell anyone in his family what it actually was. So I looked it up. There's this great article about it in the cut. I skimmed it. It's a three-step program designed to, quote, awaken the planet, maximize joy, and actualize peace. What does awaken the planet mean? Look, you just awaken the dang planet, all right? It's three <laughs> I feel step. like you can only be responsible for you, it is not the whole three, planet. You, it is a three-step process that will awaken the planet. It costs nearly $4,000. It takes hundreds of hours to complete. It operates all on unpaid labor. And in the final stage, perhaps involves some bizarre sexual rights. What? That's definitely the awakening the planet. (laughs) Venus, if you know what I mean. David did not get that far in the program. Here's what I think for like mini creeps, we should have to sign, like you should have to go to gratitude training and report back and go do the like, personality assessment at Scientology. I got to tell you, when I was in New York and I'm standing across the street from the Hamilton Theater and I'm looking at the Scientology building and there are lots of people inside. And I was like, I had to text Leslie and I was like, tell me not to walk inside here and do a personality assessment. And she's like, Kristen, they will get your information. They will never stop sending you stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Could be good for the content, though. Yeah, I might do it for the content. Maybe send it all to the P.O. box then. (laughs) Hey. David also started talking about moving to Costa Rica and getting a fresh start there. The gratitude training didn't seem to do anything to help him actualize peace. He had been spiraling for a while and Kobe's death sent him into overdrive. He started lashing out at people. When Tabitha confronted him about not showing up for work that day, leaving all the clients locked outside the building, he just started screaming at her. And completely went off the rails. She texted Gretchen and warned her to stay away from David. She told her that he was crazy. Four days later, on February 28th, Gretchen filed for divorce. On March 7th, David went out with a woman he'd been dating for about a month. He took her to one of those painting with a twist places, you know, where you bring your own bottle of wine. Yeah, those still exist. And then, well, they this is, yeah, they do. That was really a time in history. It really when was. That, you know, you bring, your, like- you bring your own bottle of wine. An instructor walks you through the steps of a painting. I've got a stack of like 10 canvases somewhere around here yeah. that I'm like, I feel like I can't throw this away, but I, I will never hang it up Not going to hang it. Right? I, <laughs> I gave them all to my mom. I think she does hang them in her apartment, which is awful for her. 
I have a friend who hung them all. It was in the office, but the office was like open and it was the first room you walked into when you walked into her house. It was like, boom, right there. That's brave. That's like, that's art for the laundry room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yang lives right above the washer and dryer. And have you have you been to one of these places? Have you done it? Multiple times, yeah. So you know that these places are very well lit. You know, like you're you're painting. You need yeah. to you're see. You're all up in strangers' right? business. Yeah. Right. Well, apparently in the middle of this well-lit class, he tried to feel his date up just in the middle of this painting class. She did not like that. So he threw a giant hissy fit. He literally jumped out of his seat, screamed at her in the middle of this class, and stormed outside. Is this my least favorite person you've told me about on this? We're like a- episode 87. I think this. I think I found him. <laughs> I know. He's awful. You're not going to take your date. Your date that will agree to go with you to painting with a twist is not the same date that's going to let you fondle her <laughs> during painting with a twist. Those aren't the same person. That's not the same person. Yeah. Like, you know, unfortunately for his date, she was also his ride. His truck was at her house. <laughs> yeah, so she had to drive him home after that little display. And when they ah, got Uber, yeah, when they got to her house, she told him that he couldn't stay. But then when she walked inside, she saw that he'd already tried to move in to her place. His clothes were in his her room. Bags of his stuff were on her dining room table. Cody the husky was in her backyard. He'd How? Even, he'd, where? Where? How? He'd even what? already put food from his mother's house in the freezer. Whoa! I don't even allow that, and I've been living for <laughs> three years. Wait, when? I thought this was like a first date. No, they'd been no, together about like, a month. But I still wish I knew more of the logistics of this whole thing because if his truck was at her house when they went to the painting class, they must have left together from her house. But the way it's written in the Miami New Times, it said that she was alarmed to find all of his stuff there. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Anyway, she started grabbing all his stuff while he waited outside. But of course, he's not waiting patiently. He's banging on the window. He's screaming at her <laughs> until she finally called the security company and got him to leave. <laughs> it's not funny. It's just... It, I don't know if it's it would like, be so ridiculous and funny if we didn't know how it ended, if we didn't know the trajectory of this type of behavior. Like, you can look at it and say, oh, my God, how ridiculous. I'm sure this was a great story later on. I'm sure she was probably freaked out in the moment, this date. But later on, she's got this great story of this ridiculous guy who tried to move into her house. But then a, f- yeah. a week later, you know, he kills somebody. And so it it's not funny anymore then. You know, it's like, right. wow, this is like serious and you know, this is why people Banging on the window. People need to, to take care. Like it is your your mental health is your responsibility. You need to take care of that. Like if you're having outbursts like this, if you're like, and I think sometimes it's your mental health gets in the way of you being able to take care of it. But that but is, people are trying to help you. Like people are suggesting, right? And it almost seems like you're open to help if you're doing things that seem counterproductive, like the gratitude training. But you're willing to go oh, he was do a something. Big self help guy. Big self help guy into so, all yeah. that kind of self help stuff. But didn't want to get actual help. Didn't want to get help from like a licensed professional. professional. He just wanted some guru to tell him how to fix himself. I can't with this one. I'm. I mean, and I, I don't know. I guess I can kind of understand that. Like, it's easy to mistrust doctors and that kind of thing. And then you you see these gurus that are leading these these lives that you want. And they're saying all the right things. They're the most charming, manipulative people 
that exist. So a week later, this is also a week before Gretchen went missing. So that whole incident with him moving in, that was like two weeks before Gretchen went missing. And they're like separated. They're, so, they, she has filed for divorce at this point. Yes. Right. But he's obviously like trying to move in with this woman. Right. And then a week later, after he tried to move in with her, with that other woman, he's outside Gretchen's house screaming, just standing outside screaming at her. He was screaming about how the world was ending. So he was going to escape the end of the world in Costa Rica. I don't know why Costa Rica is immune from Armageddon, but good for them. Have you been there? It's yes, I have been I there. They are. I hope, I hope they are. All 7 billion people can fit in Costa Rica. <laughs> Gretchen let him rant for several hours before she finally let him come inside. He left sometime later and was found by police outside a Riviera Beach restaurant after they'd been called about him following some teenage girls around a mall. Ew. Officers that came and responded to this mall call, they saw that his license plate had been partially obscured by black electrical tape. And when they asked him about it, he said that probably his 12-year-old stepdaughter had done that. You know, those crazy kids always messing with adults' license plates on their cars. Yeah, it's just a good pastime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good joke. Officers told him not to move, but he refused. He opened the door to his truck and started rummaging around inside looking for something. And so the officer took his gun out and ordered David to get on the ground. And yeah. he finally did as he was told until another officer came as backup. And then he jumped up, David jumped up, dove into his truck, like head first, like leaping dive, reaching for something on the floorboard. One of the officers, a gun? One of the officers tried to get a hold of him, but he slammed her arm in the door. There was more of a struggle, but eventually the officers won and were able to contain him. And when they went to look at what he'd been reaching for on the floorboard, they found a very large Bowie knife. Yeah. Yikes. He was arrested and charged with resisting arrest with violence, but he was only in jail a few days before he was able to post bail. So investigators that are investigating Gretchen's disappearance, they're learning about all of this about David. They're absolutely certain that he had something to do with her disappearance. He'd done something to her. Now they needed to figure out what he'd done and where he was, because he's missing too. They learned that Gretchen had security cameras installed all over her house, but after she'd gone missing, those security cameras had been removed from the walls. However, oh, wow. dum-dum, destroying the cameras does not destroy what they've recorded, which gets- Oh, it's in the cloud? In the cloud. It's it 2020. In the cloud? I love the cloud. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't understand it. What is the cloud? Someone explain OneDrive. I love the cloud. <laughs> it's the internet. The cloud is the internet. I know, but like, how? Anyway, it's we don't a have time storage. for that. It's, I, it's storage on the internet. So investigators put a request into the camera company for the images. They hoped it would give them a clue about where Gretchen was. Investigators then went to look for David at his mom's house. His mom said that she'd also been receiving concerning text from Gretchen about being in the CDC facility with the coronavirus. She showed officers the text yeah. that she still had saved on her phone. And they asked her where David was, and she told them that he'd said he was going to Costa Rica. He'd packed up his truck, and on Tuesday, March 24th, he left with Kobe. This was really concerning to detectives who now know their number one murder suspect is trying to flee the country, which would be a real pain in the ass if he were able to make it out. But also not the end of the world, because I looked it up, and Costa Rica will happily extradite American criminals. 
you got to go to Venezuela if you want a place that won't kick you out if the U.S. comes a knocking. <laughs> yeah, and even then they're probably questioning it because I think we're getting on everybody's damn nerves yeah. lately. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Dreyer told investigators that he'd seen Gretchen's car at the hospital, so they requested the security camera footage from the hospital. That came back faster. They were able to see Gretchen's Mini Cooper pulling into her parking space at the hospital and a very tall figure getting out of the car and walking away. It's not a 100% positive ID, but it's they're certain that that's David on the camera. But it's not Gretchen. It's like, not regardless Gretchen. Of it's, it's not her. Yes, correct. And it's not like they parked the car and walked into the facility. They parked the car and then like walked away. Right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you're not even like going in there. Exactly. Yeah. Investigators know that Gretchen's phone has been active. She has supposedly been sending all those texts to people. So they start tracking her phone and it pings off a tower in Pensacola, Florida, which is right near the Florida-Alabama border. Her phone is 600 miles away from Jupiter. Police issued a bolo, a be on the lookout for David's Nissan Frontier truck, and they listed it as a felony vehicle. They also track David's phone, which, what a surprise, happens to be in the same place as Gretchen's phone. And you're kidding me. <laughs> I know. Aren't you shocked? And using his phone records, as well as the paper trail that he left behind on his journey, they were able to go back and trace his entire route through Florida. The way he go to a Domino's pizza? No Domino's in this one, shockingly. But there is a pawn shop. There's surveillance footage from stores he stopped at, including several pawn shops where he sold some of Gretchen's jewelry. He told the shop owner that he wanted to sell some jewelry that had been left to him from a family member that had died from COVID. They were able to obtain several videos from different businesses and they found David on them, but not Gretchen. Oh, one thing I really wanted to point out, I mean, it's kind of obvious, but it's like this guy is using the COVID-19 pandemic to cover up a crime, a murder. murder. I know. Sad. Not to be mentioned, he better be wearing a mask and all this. uh, Oh, he's not wearing a mask in the surveillance photos from the pawn shop. Which is stupid of him because at least a mask would cover up half your face. But I'm also wondering, it's March 24th. How is this pawn shop open? Like, isn't this when we're all? Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah. David would turn the cell phones on periodically, but then he would turn them off again. Investigators could see that his phone and Gretchen's phone were traveling together. And the next time he turned them on, the phones were heading west across Texas. I don't know why he's turning Gretchen's phone on. You know, that just seems stupid. Yeah. He turned the phone on. He's not really all. He's not making a lot of sense. No, he's not. To me. He turned the phone on in Pecos, Texas, which is 1,600 miles away from Jupiter. And then the next day, he turned the phone on in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. David was now 2,000 miles away, and he decided this would be a great time to contact detectives, let them know that they didn't need to follow him or anything. Everything was fine. He spoke with Detective oh. Jared Kennerson and told him that Gretchen was alive She wasn't in any danger like everyone thought. She was actually with him, but she wasn't comfortable speaking to police. But don't worry. She had prepared a written statement that he was now going to read to. Oh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yes, I agree. Good. Good news. Gretchen's safe. According to the written statement, Gretchen was on the run. 
because she, oh. yeah, because she discovered some illegal things going on at her work and someone from the company was after her. And the statement also said something about her ex-husband, Jeff, and seemed to suggest that she was running from him, too. How do the police officers, like, or detectives keep, like, a straight face? Like, they're hearing this, and they're like, oh, okay, a written statement. It's something to do with work. Like, I, I just don't understand. They have to go along with it, right? They ask questions like, oh, okay, so what's happening at her place of employment? I mean, I couldn't do it. I'd be like, Yeah, I mean, I think they're the just, shit. you want to get shit. as much information as you can because you know it's a lie. And so later you can catch them in the lie if you get them to give you the nitty gritty details that he hasn't prepared in his written statement. But, yeah. you know, the detectives were so relieved. They're like, oh, thank God, Gretchen's fine. You know, it's all been a big misunderstanding. Yeah. Thank you so much for clearing that up. Just kidding. It took them about two and a half seconds to get a warrant to seize his truck. And they called the police in Las Cruces to help orchestrate a traffic stop. Inside the truck were Gretchen's phone, two Amazon Echoes, and the security cameras from Gretchen's house that he'd ripped off the walls. Uh, he took the Echoes, too, because they record. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but again, they're not recording on the devices On the only. device. <laughs> yeah. You dummy. Even I know that. Yeah. When police in Las Cruces talked to him, he was back to his story about COVID. He said the last he heard from Gretchen, she was in a CDC facility getting treated for the coronavirus. I wish there was video of them like holding up her phone and being like, how's she texting everyone from inside the CDC facility that doesn't exist when you have her phone? But they didn't. Yeah. At least I, mm. they didn't in the video that I watched, which was and not. And that's why we should be clipped. in charge. <laughs> we should not be in charge of anything important. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but damn, would it be fun? They kept all his stuff, including his truck, except Kobe. He kept Kobe. But they didn't have enough to bring him in for questioning, so they had to let him go. So now he's just in Las Cruces on foot. What do you mean they don't have enough for just questioning? It's all right there in the front seat. I totally agree. I don't, I don't know. I don't Like, get maybe it. you can't arrest him, but can't you question him? He's riding around with, like, a small radio shack in the front. Maybe they wanted to wait until they had this evidence from the security cameras before they questioned him. So they would have, so maybe it's not like they didn't have enough to bring him in. Maybe it's that they didn't have what they wanted before they started questioning him, and they don't have enough to arrest him, so they can't hold him until this stuff comes back. Because meanwhile, police back in Jupiter, they do get these electric, these electronic recordings from Gretchen's surveillance cameras. There's video from the morning of March 21st, just after 6 a.m., of David moving around Gretchen's lanai, which opened up to the backside of the garage. He's got some kind of elongated object in his hand, Police did not release the rest of the footage because, uh, at least not to 48 hours, because they said it was just too disturbing. But the moment Gretchen walked out on the lanai was caught on camera. She was standing in the doorway to the garage and David was hiding behind the door, but she knew he was there. And she asked him what he was. Oh, you can see that? You can, you can see, see it and you can hear it. Yes. She asked him what he was doing there. And then David came out, forced her into the garage. So they moved from the lanai into the garage and you could hear her scream. But video wasn't the only thing that police got from the house. They were also able to get recordings from Gretchen's Alexa devices. She had one in the garage and she shouted at it to turn on the light in the garage, which made the video in the garage a little more, you could see it. From the Lanai surveillance camera, you can hear a thud, Gretchen's cries, and then she starts screaming for Alexa to call 911. 
She tried three times to get Alexa to call 911, and each request sounded more and more faded. Like, do you have one of those? An Alexa, yeah. But it's oh, not, it doesn't really sure it's not calling 911 right now. It doesn't really work very well. Okay, good. Because you've said Alexa, call blank, blank, blank now like three times. And I just well, want to make sure. What Gretchen didn't know is that you have to program Alexa to call 911. Oh. When she's asked, otherwise she doesn't do it. it. It's not like a standard feature. She needs your permission to call 911. So uh, this is your sign. All you people out there with an Alexa, go program it to call 911 when you tell it to. Because that smart thinking on Gretchen's part could have saved her life. There were also cameras in the garage, but they were kind of obscured by the car parked in there. You couldn't see everything, except you could see Gretchen being dragged in there. Her screams are muffled. It also shows David's face very clearly, like it is him. The video from the lanai was dark. You could really only make out a figure that's very tall. But in the garage with the light on, it it's him. You can see him pacing around the garage and Gretchen's head is covered in blood behind him. <gasps> At one point, he notices the camera. You see him like make eye contact with the camera and he reaches up with a gloved hand and takes it down. The video proved that they were no longer looking for a missing or a kidnapped person, but for a murderer and a murder victim. It was the evidence they needed to finally arrest David Anthony. So Detective Kennerson went out to Las Cruces to look for him. They searched homeless areas and hotels. They really had no idea where he could have gone, but he didn't have his truck, so they knew he couldn't get far. And Detective Kennerson was worried that they wouldn't be able to find him. They canvassed the area. They had multiple agencies looking for David. And before long, I almost they found him. Feel like I almost feel like taking the truck. I mean, I get he can't keep driving, but like that was how you were identifying him. Like now yeah. mm-hmm. he could be in Ubers, renting a car. Like, I don't know. I mean, I get that you have to take it, but it almost seems. Yeah, but like harder. he could be anywhere in the country or like anywhere if he had the truck you know he could have been in in utah by now yeah so wait say it again where did they find him they spotted him with kobe outside a convenience store in las cruces and so they arrested david they took kobe to a shelter kobe's been adopted by a very nice family now kobe's doing great so Uh. just fyi after they got david into the squad car detective kennerson told him there was a warrant for his arrest and he asked for what (laughs) And this is just ridiculous. The most ridiculous things. He says, for what? The detective says homicide. And David's look of fake shock will not be winning any Academy Awards. He's trying to look so confused. He's like, homicide? Homicide? He asked, for who? And Detective Kennerson says, who do you think? And David said, well, that's why I'm asking the question. And Detective Kennerson is like just over his shit and just says, we'll talk about it at headquarters. Yeah, you should quit talking, probably, David. You should shut up. Yeah. Jupiter Detective Kelly Saunders joined Detective Kennerson for the interrogation at police headquarters in Las Cruces. Their only goal with this interrogation was to get him to tell them where Gretchen's body was. They had evidence for- Yeah, they already got what they need. Yeah, they have everything else that they need, but they had no idea where he'd taken her. And it was really important to them that they were able to go back and tell her family, including her daughter- that they knew where she was. Oh, yeah. Where's Ava? She's with her dad, with Jeff. Oh, yeah. And it was important to the prosecution of David that they find her. You know, it is harder to try someone for murder when there's no body. We've seen it before and they could have done it, but they wanted to give themselves the best opportunity. Yeah. 
But David insisted that Gretchen was alive. He repeated his story about Gretchen being on the run from the people at work after she discovered illegal stuff, but he said they'd gotten separated in El Paso. They'd been traveling to together, but in separate vehicles. And in El Paso, she decided to go on her own way. Okay, what vehicle is she in? The same one that's parked at the CDC? I I think what's making me so mad is, like, there's already proof. There's already video cameras. Like, quit making up this crazy, dumb story. Like, yeah. stop. Stop. It's, like, you're caught. It's not even good. You are caught. Your story is not going to hold up. Yeah. So, so they weird. asked him about the text sent from her phone claiming that she had COVID and told him yeah. they knew it was him sending those texts. He said it was Gretchen sending the text to throw people at work off her trail. They told him there was no record of her being treated at any hospital for COVID. And David just said, OK, that doesn't mean anything. They were also she wasn't texting work people. She was texting like family. Yeah, she was texting family, friends and her boss. But her boss was like her friend. They reminded him that they found her phone in his possession when he was pulled over in Las Cruces and that there was that he was on video planting her car at Jupiter Medical Center. He sent those texts. So he finally admitted to sending the text, but that it was only because Gretchen told him to do it. He will not let go of this story. So then they confront him with the security camera footage from Gretchen's house, and they let him know that he's on video, putting his hand over her mouth and dragging her into the garage, her blood-soaked head behind him in the garage, Gretchen screaming for Alexa to call 911. It's all on video. All he said was, she's still alive. She's still alive. During the interrogation, he said Gretchen. Then show it. Where is she? Well, she's escaped, you know, in El Paso yeah. in, a, in some okay. vehicle that's not her car and not my car. And we don't know whose it is. And we don't know where it we came from. We don't know where she's going. When- and she left her cell phone with me. <laughs> yep. During the interrogation, he said that Gretchen was still alive 35 times. 35 times. He's like in shock. The detectives, yes, the detectives were getting so frustrated. They knew she wasn't alive. And every time he said that she was, it just pissed them off. Yeah, I'm pissed off. So then they went in with the big guns. They'd prepared for this moment. They tried to think through different ways to make him talk. And they thought Ava, his stepdaughter, might be the key. So I don't really love this, but they'd had officers in Jupiter go to Jeff Dreyer's house in the middle of the night and tell him that they had David in custody and they wanted to use a voice recording of Ava asking David to get them the information. So Ava agreed and she recorded herself saying, David, it's Ava. I love you. I'm scared. I miss mom. I need to know where my mom is. Please do the right thing and tell me where my mom is. Please, That's I love terrible. you. I know. I'm glad it wasn't her in person. I'm glad it was. A, I thought you were going to say they brought her in. No, it was a voice recording. But God, in Las Cruces, the de- yeah. So in Las Cruces, the detectives pulled out a picture of Ava and told him to look at her and think about how much it would hurt her not to know where her mom is. And then they played the audio clip. But it didn't work. He didn't believe that it was Ava. He said that he'd raised Ava since she was two years old, which I don't think is true. I think Ava was more like five or six when they met. But he said he'd raised her since she was two and he knew her voice and that wasn't her. He said if they wanted to know where Gretchen was, they'd have to ask her because she was still alive. What? This is stupid. Detectives again said, David, we literally have video proof that you killed her. She's not alive. Quit saying she's alive. So David said, prove it. 
He dared police to show him the video of him killing Gretchen. They were not going to do that, so they decided it was time for a break. And during the break, they thought they'd maybe switch tactics. They adjusted David's handcuffs to make him a little more comfy. And then Detective Kennerson went in alone. And instead of confrontational, he was like quiet and friendly, hoping this might get the answers that they need. But it didn't. He stuck to this story, just kept telling him that Gretchen was alive. And Detective- Why when they show the, the videotape? They don't want him to see it, but- Maybe he thinks they don't have it because he thinks he got the camera. Like, why wouldn't they be like, no, here's the footage of you doing it. So I don't know why they didn't want to show him the evidence. I think probably because the actual murder wasn't caught on camera. I think that you probably I think that there's not like the actual moment because of the way the camera was situated and where the car was. She you can see blood on her head, but he could say, nope, she was still alive after that. Like, you don't see him hitting her or anything. And so I think that's why, because it wasn't like right there. And so they didn't want him to know what they had and what they didn't have. Right. But with him just sticking to the story, insisting that Gretchen's alive, Detective Kennerson couldn't keep up the nice guy act for very long. He told David that he was a monster and David asked for a lawyer. The interview had lasted two hours. Wow. Detective Kennerson was not happy that he was leaving the interview without the information he'd gone in there for, but David was charged with second-degree murder and extradited to Florida. Like I said, Kobe was adopted by new owners. (gasps) Months went by. David sat in jail, maintaining his silence, spending his days studying Bible verses and memorizing scripture and practicing meditation. Investigators spent their days searching for Gretchen's body with no luck. The prosecutor was a guy named David Ehrenberg, who said it was really frustrating to have the murderer in custody, to have evidence against him, but to still not have the body because it's so hard to prosecute a murder case without it. I mean, we did just do a case of a serial killer who was on trial for a murder and she was still alive. So it does happen. It's hard to it's hard to prosecute without a body. A grand and it, this could be anywhere because he went all the way from Florida all the way across to New Mexico. So all the states it could be, you know. I think that they're pretty Texas. certain that he disposed of her body before he took off. I don't think he. I don't. I think they don't think that he was driving with it. Up. But yeah, I mean, it could be. You don't know. Yeah. A grand jury did indict David on kidnapping, and they even raised the murder charge from second degree to first degree, which made it a potential death penalty case. But David had what police, prosecutors, and everyone who loved Gretchen wanted, the information about where her body was. And he knew it. He knew he could use the knowledge, knowledge of his own crime, as leverage. It's the same thing, like, this is the same guy who decided that he could use a pandemic to cover up his crime. So now he's using his knowledge of the crime as leverage to get himself a better deal. Gretchen's family hated that David was trying to use that, but they also couldn't stand the thought of Gretchen being out there alone somewhere. They really wanted David to get life in prison, but they wanted to know where Gretchen's body was more. And he knew it. In December of 2020, the search for Gretchen had been going on for months, and it was clear that they wouldn't find it without David's help. So they started negotiating with him. If this is ever me, don't do it. Because I've left my body, I'm in a better place, and don't you dare negotiate. Like, that has no judgment on her family, but I'm telling you Uh that (laughs) I will not 
let somebody that gets down on one knee to break up with people <laughs> and murders them to get any slack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no. Yeah. He ended up getting a deal of 38 years in prison in exchange for pleading guilty to second degree murder and, of course, for revealing the location of her body. So on Monday, December 21st, 2020, David pleaded guilty nine months to the day after she went missing. They found Gretchen's body that day. She was wrapped in a blanket in a patch of grass three miles from her house in a wooded area behind a Walmart and next to a retirement home. It was a terrible hiding space and must have been nothing but sheer luck that nobody spotted him dumping her body or stumbled across it in the months since. Yeah. The autopsy showed that the cause of death was stab wounds to the neck and torso. There were defensive wounds also showing that she fought for her life. At David's sentencing... Was that knife in his car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At David's sentencing hearing, Gretchen's sister got up to give a victim impact statement. She called David a monster who'd stolen a mother away from her child, a daughter away from her mother. She called him a coward who could never be forgiven. When it was David's turn to speak, he attempted to explain why he'd done what he'd done. He said he wasn't trying to give an excuse, but to offer context. He read straight from a piece of- No one wants your context. No one wants your context. He read straight from a piece of paper. He never looked up and said that he was delusional and that he thought that the COVID-19 pandemic was a sign of the end of the world, Armageddon, and that he felt compelled to escape it at any cost. He said when actions become detached from consequences, that's when madness occurs. He didn't say anything about the actual day Gretchen died or about his behavior afterwards when he attempted to cover up the crime. A friend of Gretchen's that was interviewed on 48 Hours said that it was hogwash and appalling, mm-hmm. and she called BS on it hard. And the district attorney said she still wonders why he did this, and maybe she means something else because, you know, these editing things on 48 Hours are awful. Because to me, it's very obvious why he did this. She, she was leaving him. He was controlling and abusive with anger issues. So he killed her because how dare she? Right. I think he did believe the world was ending. I think there was some delusion that he had because he'd been talking about it for years. And I think that's why he decided to head to Costa Rica after he killed her. But I'm not sure if I believe that that had anything to do with why he waited outside her door and stabbed her to death. Yeah, because this is the same person that has the audacity to say, I'm breaking up with you so you can go work on yourself Mm -hmm. and you call me up when you're good enough to date me. Right. That's the same person. So, of course... If someone actually leaves him yeah. and that shoots his ego down like that, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. 100%. That's what this is. Yeah. Gretchen's daughter, Ava, is living with her dad, Jeff, and appears to be doing well, you know, as well as she can mm-hmm. be doing. And David is scheduled for release from prison in 2058 when he's 81 years old. I'll be there because I have something to say. <laughs> uh, how old will we be in 2058? don't please don't just enough of that 72 (laughs) all right that is the story of this jerko who used covid to cover up a murder and then used information about the body to get himself a lighter sentence because i this is my thing you know 38 years is a long time he's gonna be 81 when he gets out it's not about that it's about having that little piece in your brain 
that tells you one day you're going to leave this place. You're getting out of here someday. Yeah, even if it's not true. Where right. when you have life in prison and you're hopeless, there's no hope at all that you're getting out. You're going to be in there until you die. But when you have 38 years, okay, well, I, I'll be old and that sucks. And that and like, do I get years taken off for good behavior? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that look like? Right, right. Well, this is where I want to ask you the question. We've revisited it before, but where you're very much like, because this is where I'm like, yeah, I think he should have life in prison. And I don't think someone like that can be rehabilitated. And I know we d- disagree on that. But, like, I feel like in this case, you would agree that we could lock this full up. What life. if we ever disagreed on that? We might disagree when, when, when it comes like- to, like, minors and locking minors away for life without ever looking back, you know, just throwing away the key. Oh. But no, I I definitely think that people should have life in prison, that there are certain people that should have life in prison that that should never be able to reenter society. I think that there are a lot of crimes that are way over criminalized. And I think yeah, that yeah. there are crimes that you can be rehabilitated from. I think that there are murderers that maybe don't need to spend life in prison. This is not one of those. Toya Brown. This is not right. one of those guys. <laughs> okay, yeah, this guy's at the top of the list. No, and that's why I think that the law is so complicated because you can't have a blanket statement for this for the same crime because no crime is equal. You have to look at every single one individually. You have to look at mm-hmm. circumstances surrounding it. But yeah, I definitely think that there are murderers that can be. Now, if you are murdering somebody in cold blood, no. Right. No, there's a guy that just got released from prison because he murdered somebody. He was a kid. He was he was a minor, but he's like in his 20s. Like he he didn't spend long enough in jail for murdering a five year old when he was like 13. Mm. I think he spent like less than 15 years in jail in prison. And he's like, yeah, I should be allowed to reenter society. And I'm like. We'll see, but I don't think he spent long enough. And I also don't think that our prisons do anything to rehabilitate anybody. It's just a punishment, right. and that's a big problem. Is And that's why we have recidivism rates that are so high. People get out and reoffend because mm-hmm. there's no help. There's no rehab yeah, for them. It's a holding cell, right. basically. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's like, what community are you entering back into? Like, I think a lot about gang activity. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you can't just re-enter society and those people aren't going to, they're not going to like leave you alone, you know? I mean, you're not just like out of the gang. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Yep. No, I definitely believe in life in prison without parole. I don't believe in the death penalty. That's what. (laughs) And we're going to, and it's for you, David Anthony. Yeah. I, the only, the only thing I've ever seen the death penalty help with is getting deals with people. So they get life in prison without parole, death penalties off the table, and you give us this information that we want. That's the only time I've ever seen the death penalty be useful for anything Mm -hmm. is when it's not actually given. (laughs) When it's used as a pawn. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do we have any shout outs? You know it. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going first this time. Okay. These are our shout outs. If you would like a shout out, you can be famous adjacent adjacent, just like these fine folks. If you sign up for our Patreon at any level, it comes with a shout out on the podcast. You also got to fill out the form. So go fill out the form. It's on Patreon. It's on our Patreon. All right. First up, major shouts to Shannon. Thank you so much, Shannon. I believe in you guys enough to pronounce Shannon. Yes, I thank you. I know Shannon. <laughs> We've Unless it's Shannon, 
or Shanann. Shanann. There is a Shanann. Shanann. Shan. I'm gonna go. That's what we should do. When people don't give us the pronunciation, Balake. Balake. Courtney L. AKA Nugget, the Corky's mom. I follow Nugget. Nugget was who was listening to us on the was listening to the podcast on the like Alexa. And she sent in like a little recording and he was like moving his head when we were doing bird sounds. Oh, oh, I remember that. Nugget yeah, yeah, fan. yeah. I want a corgi so I want a corgi so bad. Because <laughs> they're butts. Yeah. yeah, but honestly, now the groomer cuts Burks's butt like a corgi butt. It's like a little loaf. It's so cute. <laughs> it's like a little loaf. I'm like, I know I don't have a corgi, but can you just groom him as such? Thank you. <laughs> Next up is Claire. Thank you so much, Claire. Big shouts to Claire. My name's Claire. Have you seen that commercial? <laughs> I, I love it. It's a good one. Uh, major shouts, Sarah or Sarah. I, I, I wonder if it's Sarah. It's no definitely way. Sarah. I feel like if it was Sarah, it's you would tell definitely me. definitely Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, you Sarah. Me. But I know some Sarahs. Some? You know more than one Sarah? And it's not Zara? You know two Saras. You know a Zara with a Z? I know several Zaras. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I have two friends that name their kids Zara. That's cool. Maybe that's like a new up and coming. Yeah, maybe so. Um, what was I gonna say? I was gonna say something, and it was gonna. You be were good, gonna say but... Mandy Lee, probably. Oh yeah, big shouts, Mandy Lee. <laughs> Thank you so much to everybody. Thank you so much to our patrons, and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We really appreciate you. You can also follow us on our social medias. We're on Instagram at Creepers Pod. Sometimes we're on Twitter at Creepers Pod. We have a Facebook discussion group that we're in a lot, the True Crime Creepers discussion group. So get in I there. I can just figure out how to post as me and not Creepers. I'm screwing that up all the time. It's Facebook's fault because they've done this new thing so that you have to now. switch between it. profiles. I absolutely hate it. I'm like, why would you do this? You just complicated everything. This sucks. Because I'm like, you're just making me want to delete the page. Because we have the group. We don't need the page. You're just making me want to get oh, rid of the page. Oh, is the page what's doing it? Yeah. Yeah, because we're page. we're replying as the page. Page. Mm-hmm. I hate that. I know. It's annoying. Uh, Facebook. Uh, anyways, join us in our Facebook discussion group. Check out our Patreon. Patreon.com slash True Crime Creepers. And I think that's everything. We out. We out. Bye, peeps and creeps. <laughs> <laughs>